With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was stiflingly hot that summer evening. But despite the oppressive heat, a large crowd still gathered to watch the woman burn. It was July 17, 1676, and public executions in Paris had become quite the spectator sport. Audiences regularly gathered to see condemned prisoners be led to their deaths. This particular execution was considered an extra special occasion. Whereas most condemned prisoners were simple common folk born of the lower classes, this was something unusual. This woman who was being led out of the conciergerie prison was no commoner. She was a member of the French nobility. Her name was Marie-Madeleine Gobelin, Marquise de Brimvalier. She was born in 1630 to a wealthy and prominent family. Her father was Antoine Drou d'Abre, civil lieutenant of the city of Paris and a powerful magistrate within the Parisian courts. In 1651, at age 21, Marie married Antoine Gobelin, the descendant of a dye manufacturing dynasty. In 1660, their fortunes grew even further when Gobelin's property was elevated to the status of a marquisat. In France, official titles were attached to properties, which meant that the Gobelins became lower-ranking members of the French aristocracy, known forevermore as the Marquis and Marquise de Brinvalier. All of which is to say there was a reason such a large crowd had gathered to watch this noblewoman's downfall. In France, civil discontent was everywhere, based on the massive inequality between the haves and the have-nots. More than a 100,000 spectators turned out to watch the show. They packed the route leading from the conciergerie to the central square where she would be beheaded, then burned. Even though Marie was condemned to lose her head, her executioners had tied a noose around her neck to symbolize her impending demise. The crowd was visibly hostile toward the small, trim woman as they led her to the chopping block. The murders she was accused of were considered particularly heinous. It was said that Marie had conspired with her lover, Captain Godin de Saint-Croix, to poison her own father. Then she had gone on from there to murder two of her brothers in order to inherit their estates. Not only this, but it was widely believed she had also administered poisons to both her husband and her eldest daughter. Although at least in those instances she came to regret her actions early on, and gave them both antidotes before they died. Furthermore, beyond those crimes, the Marquise had apparently been planning on going on something of a poisoning spree as she was also accused of intending to murder her sister and sister-in-law. But she got caught before she could carry through with it. 
If all this wasn't terrible enough, there was an even darker rumor that the Marquise de Brinvalier had actually learned her skills as a poisoner by conducting a series of experiments in the poorest members of society. Rumor had it the Marquise had been visiting hospitals around France and feeding paupers poisoned food in order to determine the proper lethal dosages. There isn't a lot of evidence to support this story, but nonetheless it remained widely believed by the public that turned out to watch her die. Captain St. Croix had become Marie's lover after her husband, the Marquis, made the mistake of inviting his young, handsome gambling buddy to come stay with them at their home in Paris. The young officer quickly swept Marie off her feet and into bed. They weren't particularly discreet about their relationship either. As a result, word spread and Marie's father and two brothers became aware of the scandalous nature of her affair with St. Croix and demanded she break it off. But Marie refused, so her father did the next thing he could which was to order the man's arrest. It was said that during his short prison stint, St. Croix made the acquaintance of an Italian man named Egidio Exili. And Exili had one skill in particular that he was happy to share with St. Croix. Exili, as it turns out, was a master at the art of making poisons. When St. Croix was released from prison, he went and rented a property in the Place Maubert that he converted into a laboratory. Now, at least to the public, St. Croix threw himself into the art of alchemy, that early form of chemistry that was part science, part sorcery. Although officially St. Croix claimed to be searching for the secret of the Philosopher's Stone, a miraculous substance widely believed to be able to turn base metals into silver and gold, it was revealed following the man's death that he'd instead been perfecting his skills in developing and selling poisons to wealthy clients looking to off their relatives. St. Croix died in 1672. Some stories suggest he caused his own death by being careless with one of his poison experiments. Yet another rumor suggests that the Marquise de Brinvalier had grown tired of him and got him out of her life in that particular way she knew best. Following the man's death, the authorities discovered a leather box containing a number of diaries and letters that spelled out in detail the murderous work he'd been doing. They also told a damning story of his partner in crime, the Marquise de Brinvalier. The French police accused the Marquise of using a deadly substance known as aqua tofana poison, which took its name from its inventor, an Italian murderess, Giulia Tofana. Throughout the 17th century, tofana poisoning was feared far and wide since it had a reputation as being completely colorless and tasteless, yet 100% deadly. Even Wolfgang Mozart believed someone had solely murdered him with aqua tofana as he lay on his deathbed. The main ingredient in Tofana poisoning was arsenic, which had become so commonly used it had gained the nickname inheritance powder. Tofana also purportedly included a compound of belladonna and lead, which resulted in a tasteless poison that left few traces, and if administered properly could gradually sicken an unwitting victim over time and bring about their demise in a way that wouldn't normally arouse suspicions. In 1675, the Marquise fled Paris, heading first to England, then to the Netherlands, and lastly to a convent near Liege, where she was arrested by a policeman masquerading himself as a priest. In July 1676, she underwent torture to force a confession to her crimes. Her torturers administered what was then known as the water cure, an early form of waterboarding where the Marquise was forced to drink 16 pints of water. Some stories claim the Marquise swallowed as much liquid as she could stomach and defiantly shouted back at her torturers. Is that all they could do? News of Marie's arrest reached all the way up to the court of King Louis XIV. 
This caused the king much concerned when he learned that one of the people who had instructed Marie Anne St. Croix in the art of making poisons was none other than the court chemist, Christopher Glazer. As it turned out, there was quite a bit of poisoning going on in the French court, since it proved to be an expedient way for impatient heirs to speed up receiving their inheritances. St. Croix and the Marquise de Brinvalier were just a couple of the people who figured out a great way to make a buck was to supply French aristocrats with inheritance powder. Although Marie never fully broke and gave up any names during her torture, she did at one point admit that she knew of several people in high positions who were just as guilty as she was. Following her beheading, the Marquise's body was burned and her charred remains left on display for the angry mob to see. But although justice had been administered, this was far from the end of the story. The Marquise de Brinvalier's trial and conviction would soon lead to an even greater scandal one that threatened to bring down the French monarchy, a scandal that has come to be known in history as the Affair of the Poisons. I'm Nate Hale, bringing you a story that has everything you could hope for. Murder, sex, Satanism, human sacrifice, political intrigue, and conspiracies. All that, and this, is The Conspirators. They called him the Sun King. Upon assuming the throne as the ruler of the French Empire, King Louis XIV chose the sun as his emblem. In order to associate himself with Apollo, the Greek god of peace and the arts. Louis XIV would go on to rule France for 72 years, making him the longest-serving monarch in European history. In 1661, the king ordered his subjects to begin expanding a simple hunting lodge into an ornate palace befitting someone of his greatness, a place we know today as the Palace of Versailles. But even though the king spent a vast fortune building one of the most astonishing palaces the world has ever seen, he could never hide the terrible stench that surrounded it, literally. Because the building was located so far from the river or any other suitable water source, that also meant that sewage disposal proved to be a major challenge. The marshy foundation it was built on already had a foul odor to it. But then, couple that with the fact there were few bathrooms, this meant visitors at court would often defecate throughout the palace grounds and even inside the hallways with relative freedom. Or, in short, the palace really stunk to high heaven. But beyond the quite literal stench that wafted throughout Versailles, there was also the more figurative stench of scandal that spread everywhere. Throughout the late 1660s and early 1670s, a large number of influential French nobles began dying under mysterious circumstances. Autopsies showed that many of these deceased nobles had blackened and corroded organs, leading the authorities to deduce there was a rash of poisonings going on. One unusual side note, the poisoning problem became so prevalent and worrisome to the French nobility that there was even a legend claiming that a French delicacy was born from it. The story claims that the chilled French soup, Vichyssois, came about because it took so long to get a bowl of warm soup through the required series of tasters before it reached King Louis' table that the soup was served ice cold. There were so many suspected poisoning deaths occurring among the French upper crust that in 1679, Louis XIV established a special tribunal, the Chambre Ardente, or 
burning room to investigate and prosecute the murderers. From there, the scandal known as the Affair of the Poisons became a quite literal witch hunt, as stories of black magic, Satanism, and infanticide became intertwined with all the political intrigue of French nobles trying to off one another to gain their wealth and land. Between 1677 to 1682, 319 subpoenas were issued, 194 people were arrested, and 36 of them were executed. By comparison, the witch hunts of Salem, which occurred just a decade later, would claim the lives of just 25 people. Although living in the court of Versailles probably sounds like a pretty sweet deal, it turns out it was actually a pretty expensive proposition, where the costs far outweighed the benefits. Many of the people living in the court spent far beyond their means trying to keep up their lavish appearances by showing off their finest clothes, jewelry, servants, and other fineries. This was all happening while their lands were shrinking, as well as their overall fortunes. On top of all this, King Louis had taken to heart, at an early age, the old adage, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. He kept a careful eye on who was present at court and who wasn't. Andy demanded to know exactly where you were if you weren't in attendance. Out of concern, they might be off secretly plotting against him. Louis demanded constant attention. And if he didn't feel like he was getting it, then he would take it out on nobles by denying them land and other privileges. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of greed and jealousy to be had throughout Versailles in the late 17th century. At the same time, Versailles became a proverbial garden of earthly delights where practically anything could be had for the right price. Even though Louis XIV attended daily mass and portrayed himself as a devout Catholic, he was also a major womanizer and indulged himself in every worldly pleasure available to a king. Throughout Versailles, the aristocratic lifestyle tended to breed a great deal of boredom. Wealthy socialites began turning to transgressive pastimes including gambling, fortune-telling, and palm-reading for fun. This also helped breed an exaggerated fear of witchcraft among the nobles, which only further propelled the hysteria that was still to come. Following the scandal that erupted after the Marquise de Brinvalier's execution for her role in poisoning her family members, the king appointed a lieutenant general of the French police, Gabriel Nicolas de la Reine, to oversee an investigation to root out any other potential poisoners in the royal court. Rainey had already made a name for himself earlier in his career for implementing a wide range of citywide safety reforms, including new gun control regulations, street cleaning, flood, and fire control. With his new edict in hand to clean up the potential murderers in the city's midst, Rainey directed officers to round up all manner of alchemists, counterfeiters, fortune tellers, and anyone else who might possibly be involved in the poison trade. Although officially the arrests were about poisoning, this simultaneously led to an actual witch hunt as police began to uncover all manner of black magic paraphernalia, as well as all the arsenic and other poisons. Police found caches of deadly nightshade, blobs of fat taken off dead men, nail clippings, human bones, blood and urine, and many more grotesque ingredients that were thought to be used in black magic. But despite making a number of arrests early on, Rainey still had difficulty cracking open the secret cabal of poisoners he was increasingly convinced existed. That all changed in 1679 when they apprehended an accused poisoner named Marie Boss, who got drunk at a party and began shooting off her mouth that she'd gotten rich by selling poisons to a bunch of aristocrats. One particularly sordid account of her arrest claims that when police moved in to arrest her, they caught her in the middle of an incestuous relationship with her two sons and her daughter. 
but that story's a little difficult to corroborate and probably isn't true. No matter what the truth might be about her arrest, though, one thing we do know is that after being tortured to confess, Boss began naming names. One of the names she gave up was a woman named Catherine Monvoisson, also known as Lavoisson, who was well known throughout Paris as a healer and a midwife. She also had another reputation as a powerful witch. She was born Catherine de Chais sometime around 1640. When she was a young woman, she married a jewelry dealer named Antoine Monvoisson. But his business failed, leaving Lavoisson to have to start up a business of her own as a divineress, a cross between a fortune teller and an apothecary. She spent a great deal of money on developing her image as a clairvoyant and healer as well, going so far as to begin publicly wearing a custom-made red velvet robe with the embroidered symbol of twin eagles and gold thread. If you wanted to hear your fortune, had a toothache, or needed a handy love potion, Lavoisson was who you went to. And if you just happened to have a particular person you wanted to make go away permanently, Lavoisson had a cure for that as well. Desperate and vengeful women often came to Lavoisson looking for undetectable poisons they could use to murder their husbands. Even though arsenic was the most commonly used poison back then, clients were given all sorts of unusual potions, even one that contained powdered diamonds. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Even though she was an accused witch, Lavoisan was also a devout Christian who attended church regularly. In fact, it was just outside her church that police arrested her. Lavoisan believed her powers to be a gift from God and that she'd been placed here on earth to offer those gifts to people who came to her for help, even if that help involved murdering people. Keep in mind, Lavoisan didn't just instantly hand over poison the first time she met someone. Part of Lavoisan's method was to encourage repeat customers building their trust over time. At first, she might offer simple charms or spells that brought good fortune. Only over time, as trust was established, would the conversation open up to questions of marital problems and of certain deadly solutions to those problems. Lavoisan, like a lot of the confidence men and women who operated throughout France's black magic underworld, developed a keen sense of who they could trust and who they could steer toward murder. According to French law, women were secondary to men, Husbands had absolute legal and physical authority over their wives. Even though adultery was ostensibly illegal to both sexes, men would receive practically no punishment, whereas women could be subject to beatings, loss of dowry, or even imprisonment for sullying their husband's honor. It was even worse if there was ever any question about who the father of a woman's unborn child might be, since this might affect the child's ability to inherit the husband's wealth. Sometimes women were tortured or even put to death for that. Women would sometimes turn to Lavoisan for potions that could induce an abortion, something else that was highly illegal at the time. Although Lavoisan did offer women special potions that could bring about a miscarriage, in some cases she would instead encourage the woman to carry the pregnancy through to term. Then she would arrange for the child to be secretly adopted away. In either case, it turned out the woman's ability to choose her own fate especially rankled the men in charge at the time. 
Lavoisan proved to be an invaluable resource to La Rene in his investigation. She readily gave up names of people throughout the criminal underbelly, spread throughout France's community of fortune-tellers and apothecaries. She also gave up names of her clientele, which proved to be especially worrying because many of those names were prominent members of French society. After that, the already worried king insisted that all notes from Lorraine's investigation be kept on separate sheets of easily burnable paper, just in case the king decided some of the evidence needed to be destroyed to avoid further scandal. Eleven months after her arrest, Lavoisan was dragged to the public square and burned alive. This came after three days of intense torture. By now, Lorraine was fully convinced there was a vast network of poisoners throughout Paris. His reports to the king are ultimately what led to the creation of the Chamber Ardent, or Burning Room, which got its name because it was headquartered in a royal munitions warehouse. It might be pointed out there's a strange irony about this commission that was formed in part to root out witches, and that they actually behaved a lot like how you'd imagine a fictional coven to appear. The room they operated in was kept mostly dark and lit only by a few torches. All the windows were covered in black cloth. Thirteen cloaked magistrates would gather in the room to interrogate prisoners and hand out justice. People were routinely tortured to give up more names, and those people gave up other names. And so on, and so forth. So many people were being implicated in the scandal that the Secretary of War once wrote to a high-ranking chamber member that no one should be spared, no matter their status. Even still, there were approximately 60 suspects who were never officially tried because the king and his ministers determined their potential testimony could prove far too damaging to the monarchy. Instead, these particular suspects were whisked off to a remote border fortress where they remained imprisoned in solitary confinement and weren't even allowed to speak to their jailers. There was one name in particular that came up during Lavoisan's nearly one year of incarceration and torture that proved especially problematic for King Louis XIV. The Marquise Francois Athenay de Montespan was not only a member of the French court, she was also King Louis's favorite mistress, and had even given birth to seven of his children out of wedlock. One of those children died in infancy, but the rest were legitimized. So there was definitely a major issue with the mother of King Louis XIV's heirs being caught up in a scandal involving black magic and murder. The Marquise de Montespan had come to the court in the mid-1660s and started out by working as one of the Queen's ladies-in-waiting, having left a husband and two children behind in the French countryside. As soon as de Montespan was brought into the royal inner circle, she set her sights on the biggest prize of all, the affections of the king himself. According to Lavoisin, de Montespan came to her seeking a love potion that could make King Louis fall madly for her. Other... Darker stories claim that she also came to Lavoisin for a poison to do away with the king's previous mistress. The love potions Lavoisin allegedly concocted for her were mixtures of Spanish fly and menstrual blood. Other potions purportedly contained bat's blood, sperm, and iron filings. But even these didn't seem to be enough to keep the king's eye from straying. Now, one might argue that the real reason the king's affection seemed to wane over time was because de Montespan was getting older and she'd lost her figure from giving birth to so many children. Nonetheless, according to some stories, the king's desperate mistress began demanding that Lavoisin help her sustain the king's love by turning to black masses, in which they would pray to the devil himself for help. A rogue cleric named Etienne Giborg claimed to have personally conducted three masses over de Montespan's naked body, offering her mind, body, and soul to Satan in exchange for the king's love. 
According to Giborg, they laid a black cloth on an altar. De Montespan then laid out naked while an infant was brought over to the altar. The priest then laid a chalice on the naked woman's belly. A knife was given to Lavoisan, and then she used it to cut the infant's throat and let it pour into the chalice, spilling some of it on de Montespan's naked body. Lavoisan then tossed the infant's corpse into a nearby furnace as the priest raised the chalice full of blood and completed the ceremony. Now, there is some debate whether any of this black mass really occurred at all, or if it was just another false confession forced out of Giborg under torture. Some accounts suggest that the black mass really did take place, but that an infant wasn't really sacrificed, and instead some clever sleight of hand only made it appear that way. Lavoisan's daughter Marguerite later testified that the room was kept intentionally dark to hide what was really going on. She told authorities that she had bought pigeons for her mother and witnessed Lavoisan cutting their throats and collecting their blood instead of a baby. She also claimed the so-called altar was nothing more than a mattress propped up on some chairs with stools nearby holding a few candles. One thing I found as I researched the affair of the poisons is that a lot of these stories differ from account to account, which of course also points to their dubious nature as well. Keep in mind, much of that testimony that was gathered was done so by torture, and it's well known that such testimony is always highly suspect since the victim will often say or do whatever you want just to make the agony stop. The other issue is the king ordered much of the evidence be destroyed in order to cover up any scandal that led directly back to him. One of the more difficult-to-prove stories you might come across is the one that said Madame de Montespan actually planned on murdering King Louis XIV if he ever thought of kicking her to the curb. At the same time, it is true that his affair with her ended the very same year the affair of the poisons came to a close. It does appear that at one point King Louis was thinking of replacing de Montespan as his favorite mistress with a young girl named Angelique de Scoral, but Angelique died soon after following what was reported as either complications from childbirth or pneumonia, although some rumors claim she too was poisoned. The affair of the poisons more or less came to an end after more nobles were implicated and began spilling the beans on other nobles, including providing further evidence against the Marquise de Montespan. As a result, King Louis abruptly called to an end the official police commission looking into the poisonings. More evidence was destroyed and many suspects were either quietly executed or placed under arrest and forbidden to speak publicly. Even though Lavoisan's daughter Marguerite was determined to be innocent in the matter, she was imprisoned on a remote island where she lived under house arrest for the rest of her life. Another prominent figure who was swept up during this time was a noted sorcerer named Adam de Coré, who went by the name Le Sage, which means the wise one. By some accounts, Le Sage was Lavoisan's assistant and possibly even her lover. He too was arrested and sent to the island as with Etienne Giborg, the priest who purportedly conducted the Black Mass ceremonies. Both men simply vanished from the historical record after that and most likely were made to disappear permanently under King Louis XIV's orders. Around that same time, it became clear to everyone that Francois de Montespan's relationship with King Louis XIV was officially over. Although the king continued to maintain the pretense of a relationship with her and his illegitimate children for a few years after, she would eventually be sent to a convent to retire, while her children were all granted marriages and royal dowries. If there is any positive thing to come out of the affair of the poisons, it's that this series of events led to strict new laws prohibiting the sale of poisons, thus bringing many of the suspicious deaths to an end. 
There were a number of nobles who were implicated in the affair of the poisons who couldn't so easily be made to disappear. Another one of the king's former lovers, the Countess Olympia Mancini, was accused of seeking Lavoisin's help to poison yet another of the king's mistresses, Louise de la Valliere, out of jealousy. But according to some accounts, Mancini took her anger a step further and threatened to poison King Louis himself if he didn't return to her. Naturally, this didn't go over so well. She went into exile in the Spanish court where, wouldn't you know it, she was later accused of having poisoned both her husband and Queen Maria Luisa of Spain. From there, she fled Spain and went to Brussels. Her son Eugene was rejected from the French army because of how his mother had sullied the family name. As a result of this, Eugene emigrated to Austria where he grew to become one of the greatest generals in 17th century Europe. In fact, Eugene of Savoy's military genius is often credited with preventing Louis XIV from achieving total control over Europe. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. I have some new Patreon supporters to thank. Thank you to Dustin and Justin for signing up and helping support the show. Just a reminder that patrons of the show get access to all sorts of nifty bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and our exclusive bonus mini-episodes. We also have a new merchandise store open where you can get all sorts of awesome mugs, t-shirts, phone cases, and much, much more. I'll put links in the show notes for both Patreon and our merch store. If you're not on Patreon and still want to help us out, you can also subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. That way we rise up in Apple's magical rankings and spread the good word about the show to more listeners like you. If you're not on Apple, not to worry. We're also available on most of your other favorite podcast apps. We also have a website, theconspiratorspodcast.com, where you can hear our entire back catalog of shows. Check us out on social medias as well. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can even send us an old-fashioned email at theconspiratorspodcast at gmail.com and let us know how we're doing. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Guys, are you trying to stay in 20-year-old shape into your 30s and 40s and finding it, well, impossible? Then you need to listen to this. Beachbody, the company that revolutionized getting ripped at home with P90X and Insanity, has a brand new program just for you called Lift 4. It's part lift. It's part hit. With total body shredding results in just 30 to 40 minutes a day, right at home on the Beachbody On Demand app. That's how you get killer results as an adult. Go to Beachbody.com to sign up now and you can try Live 4 for free. That's Beachbody.com.